Welcome back, y'all. Episode 6 of the Be Under Par podcast. I'm very excited to say today, got a buddy, um, a client, a friend, Matt Gilbert. Um, welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, excited. So, Matt, I'm going to just jump right into it, right? Mm-hmm. Before we start talking about fitness, before we start talking about goals, let's talk about a little bit of your experience so far in the golf industry, right? So a little bit of background of when you started, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So my golfing background, uh, I started a little bit later in life, um, as I know a couple of us have here, at least. Um, It was probably my junior year of high school, I think, I actually started playing golf. I played uh, baseball primarily uh, prior to that and realized not as good as that. Baseball wasn't going to play in college or anything, so I needed a new sport. Picked up golf. Um, basically, right when I started playing golf for real, um, I got a job at a uh, big big box uh, golf store, uh, Golfers Warehouse in Hartford, uh, right after high school. Worked there for uh, two years. That's where I really got into the uh, equipment end of it. Uh, started to learn how to fit clubs. Um, worked there for two years. Uh, from there, then I went to school for golf. Actually, went to the uh, Golf Academy of America in uh, San Diego or uh, Carlsbad, more exactly. Um, did that for a couple years. Came back home, worked another year or so um, at the Golfers Warehouse chain. Then uh, from there, I became a tech rep for uh, TaylorMade, um, which I've been basically doing for the last oh nine years now, I think. So from about 2007 or so, I've worked in the golf industry. And I uh, started playing in uh, about 2005, I think. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I was trying to think back today. I was, I was thinking, as I knew you were going to come on the podcast, I was trying to think. I was like, when did I actually meet you? And like, what was the, I think it was at Greenwoods. It was at Greenwoods, yeah. It was when, was uh, I think it was, yeah, right, my first year of membership, which was three, a little bit over three years ago now. Yeah. Um, I think I ran into you on the putting green. Yeah. And, All right. Uh, I don't know if you said hi to me or I said hi to you, but you're like you're the uh, you're the uh, uh, tailor made guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually that's probably exactly what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you came, you came in and I feel like no one really knew you until you won the President's Cup. Yeah. Yeah. I that's played you kind of you, right. you did that, play with yeah. me. The, I got a hole in one that day too. Yeah. Or that, I remember that, that weekend. Yeah. Um, playing with uh, Dylan. Yep. Started off with a bang, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's coming to Greenwoods. Just you know, just come out. The president, get a hole in one, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. crossing everything off the list. Yeah, I was playing at a Torrington Country Club across town for, um, I don't know, I was there for like four or five years prior to that. and Never really played in the events and stuff like that. I just didn't have time to do it up there, and uh, none of my buddies were really up there. So I came over to Greenwood, started playing some events, and won a couple of things, and snuck my way right into everything. And <laughs> as such... Uh, you are actually rocking the Greenwoods yeah. hoodie as well. Yeah, didn't even really play in that out, but yeah. 1903, so uh, the year the club was established. So, yeah, and that's actually, again, everyone sitting at this table right now in some way, thank you Greenwoods Country Club um, for the, connecting us all, right? Because, like, that's how I met you, and that's how we all met each other at, at different points, so. Pretty cool. Another connection, local club. Another way that like golf just really brings people together, and uh, all different ages. So like, I talk about it all the time. But like, that's a really exciting part of of golf is like you just meet new people, you can forge new relationships, make friends, and 
in some cases a lifelong friends. So Greenwoods especially. I've been uh, I've been a member at four or five clubs over the years, and, and Greenwoods has definitely been kind of a special place where all the different uh, demographics yeah. from old through middle age to the younger kids really kind of blend in well and, and have a good uh, a camaraderie up there. There's really not a lot of clubs like that. Yeah, especially with like even the fact of letting kids play in these tournaments. Most courses you're not even allowed to, you know, and it brings people together in that way where I actually got to play with them. I think it was the first time we played was in yeah, that tournament. I think it was. Yeah. I didn't really play with, I think I played a couple rounds in the match play thing prior to that with a, a couple of the members. And other than that, that was about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that, I think, again, that just speaks to the, the, the reason or the, one of the things why growing the game of golf is like, I think such a good thing, right? Because at so many, again, not to just reiterate or uh, the same point, but it brings people together and it's going to bring uh, people together that are from all different demographics, right? Right. So that's that's one of the biggest things. There's no other game that really you can get outside, be active, and also just hit such a wide range, uh, wide range of ages and yeah, different backgrounds. So. And like we were saying in the last podcast, I mean, we're all very different people. We like different things, but golf is the thing that is probably the reason why we can do good things. So one of the one of the things that I've got, I've always gotten along with you really well since we met Matt is about nerding out on equipment. Very so nerdy. Like, yeah, and I I, I love that very aspect because like that you're somebody that I could always go to and just be like, dude, uh, this new club, this like check out this new uh this tailor made like tell me about it what do you know about this and i could i know that i can always go to you with any new equipment you'll if you haven't heard of it you've heard of something similar and we can always talk about it so i've always enjoyed that part of our friendship just being able to always bounce ideas off of you about technology new clubs new, whatever it is if it's golf related you usually have some semblance of an idea of what it is and so i always go for you uh go to talk to you about all that stuff well, that's what I really like about golf, too, and I think what really drew me into it is kind of the nerdery of it. I've had uh, whatever uh, a part of your brain is that you use with the numbers and all stuff like that. You know, I'm very technical about stuff. You know, that's why I kind of got into using the launch monitors. I remember using launch monitors back when it was a Vector Pro that you had to trace the lines on the ball as you hit the ball and stuff. I mean, it was pretty rudimentary stuff, but uh, it was really really awesome to kind of learn about the launch conditions and spin and all that stuff. And I, uh, I came into golf right, right when that was still a very new thing. So it was kind of really, uh, really cool to be involved in that from, you know, before even pros at clubs really knew about the launch monitors and stuff to now where it's just a standard that everybody yeah. uses on. There's a trackman now, which I can't even explain to you how much easier it is to use the radar based ones and those old camera based ones. I, I remember I used to have the, uh, it was beyond the tech support, it was the actual uh, a president of the company that made the Vector Pro. I had him on speed dial because <laughs> the thing used to just screw up so much. I'd be in the middle of a, it would stop working. And so it's kind of a, a skill you have to learn how to kind of stall people off and get them getting impatient while you're trying to uh, troubleshoot all the technology. But we definitely, I mean, come a long ways from yeah, that is pretty cool. That, that I, I would say um, that's probably been a pretty cool transition to watch or, or growth, really, because, I mean, nowadays, who if you go down on, if you go to a PGA Tour event, right, 
unfortunately not this past year that you've been able to, but if you've been to one, especially in recent years, go look down the range. If you want to watch these guys practice, every single guy has either their own track man, their own GC quad, or both. Um, like I just watched a Phil Mickelson video on Instagram the other day talking about hitting bombs, right? So, and he had a GC quad and a track man, and he had the understanding um, to be able to differentiate why he was getting different numbers on each, where the club head was picked up in the swing and why, you know, it was like at impact, I think, for the track man, and then the GC quad maybe captures it before impact, so you'll be a little bit quicker. I might be getting those two I think confused. it's the other way around, yeah. yeah, you have the right idea. So, but anyways, the point being just the fact that it gives you a better hold on your game, so, you know, it, it can make you very well informed. You can know your own numbers, something that was never able to be done before. Um, and it's a pretty cool thing. Well, what's cool really is how widespread all that stuff is. Cause like you said, all the pros have that stuff. So pros have been having the track men for a while now, but you know, it's an expensive a piece of equipment, you know, $26,000 or whatever it is. So, you know, the, the, the pros for, for a number of years have been using that stuff, but how readily available it is to just the average uh, golfer out there is what's really cool. Sure. Um, kind of like I said before, you know, it started when it was just only a couple places in each state or whatever it may be, even had the ability to have a launch monitor. Now, any demo day you go to, more or less any pro that has a pro shop, any golf store, there's all a good quality launch monitor that, that's there for use and a lot of times at uh, no charge as well too, which is really, really some valuable information to get out of it for sure. That's awesome. Bobby Gajo says that golf's a numbers game. You know your numbers. Yeah, it can help get your uh, club dialed in. So I got a question for you. Um, and something that would be interesting for people that are relatively new to the game, have been playing a long time, it really doesn't matter, right? So unless you're a really high level, right? Unless you play at a high level, for the most part, do people, in your, in your experience, do people really know, like we'll call it bag mapping, right? Mm -hmm. um, do they know their yardages most times? So when you do a fit, no, for instance. They don't, they have no idea their yardages. <laughs> right, so that, that helps a lot, like having, you know, I, so we picked up just in the Performance Center now, we have uh, just, we started off with a SkyTrack, um, which I know is in, you know, it, it's in one of the entry level. For indoor use, yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. For, for the value you get, the numbers are pretty spot on. I, I put a track man up against it, the one at my uh, boss's place. And um, for indoor use, like I said, it's pretty bang on. You know, it's just when you get the outdoor use there, when you start to not, not use Why it. Why is that, though? Uh, I think it's the, the kind of laser-based uh, stuff of it. Um, I haven't really tried to use it outdoors too much, but I don't think it really will even work in direct light. Yeah. yeah do you have to put, like, a tent up? I've, yeah, I've if, seen that. if you put up yeah. a tent and you have that, like, uh, overhang, like, in, in I mean, Arizona or Southern California, they... They have a lot of those on the range. Yeah, they so do. It will kind of work there, but if it's in direct light, I don't believe it will actually work. Yeah, I know they do demo days at the touring game. They have the net set up for those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I want to ask you more about that too. So fitting-wise, how important do you think, so, because again, for anybody listening, um, if you're new to the game or if you've been playing for a while, how important as someone that 
has done fitting for what you said, like seven or nine years? Somewhere so I've worked for TaylorMade for nine years, nine but years. I mean, I've fit clubs. Before for, that, too. Yeah, from 2007 on, so what's that, 13 years now, something like that? Yeah, so how important do you think it is for someone to, and like, what's the process? So like, help someone that's never been kind of able to, you know, get fit or thought that it was important, right? Yeah. Break it down for us a little bit, like how, how important yeah, do you so think it is? Yeah, so it's vastly important to be fit, but also sometimes people put a little too much emphasis on it and think that at, at any skill level, especially like a beginner level, it's still very important to get fit, but you don't want to like go too nuts about it and make sure that everything's perfect because golf's never going to be a perfect thing. So, you know, it's it's very important to, to be fit, but, but you don't want to obsess too much about it. And I feel like that's where most people are. They either go absolutely uh, bonkers about it and are obsessed about getting the perfect fit, the perfect launch angle, the perfect spin rates on every club, or they don't even uh, think it's a, a, a valid thing. Uh, I would say getting started in golf, uh, most important to get fit is more of a dynamic fit. I think the, the right length to the clubs, I think length is probably the number one thing. Uh, line angle as well too, but also too, especially starting in golf, I don't like to adjust lie too, too much. I, I've seen too many times people, you know, with like an over the top swing, which a lot of beginners have, a lot of all types of golfers have, you know, they'll start getting fit into a, a, a three or four degree upright club and then adding length on top of that. And that's just gonna make you wanna come over the top even more with it. So, you know, the, the number one thing I think is, is getting the right posture with that and getting the right length of club so you can maintain that uh, posture in your swing, then get down to the uh, lie angle. Now this is mostly in the irons. Uh, driver with length as well too, um, except with the driver length. Most players are playing too long of a driver now. Um, I play my driver about th uh, three quarters of an inch less than what's standard. Um, so really the driver in the woods, it's as long of a club as you can consistently strike in the middle of the club face, mm -hmm. which if you can't consistently strike the middle of the club face, you should go as small of a club as you're, uh, as you're uh, uh, comfortable with. Uh, and then from there, once you get it dialed into having a pretty consistent swing with that, then that's when you would start getting into the real kind of launch conditions on it, start to worry about the spin rates and yeah, I um I think especially with new golfers, you, their swings are gonna change too. Like I feel like you don't want to get fitted right from the get go. Like you said, you don't want to yeah. get fitted for that. Yeah, that was that because was something then, I was gonna ask because I've thought about getting fitted before, but I also don't think my swing is like exactly to. I don't I don't think I have the same swing every time I step up to the ball. It should have so, evolved, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, that's why length is such a big thing. Cause I think we were talking just the other day about how like posture is probably one of the biggest things in golf and one of the biggest uh, inconsistencies that a lot of players have is they can't maintain their posture throughout the whole swing and the length of the club will play a lot into that. And length is an easy thing to adjust up or down. So mm -hmm. I can add extensions into a club, I can cut a club down and vice versa, add an extension back into it as many times as I want and it's not degrading the club, it's not really a big deal. So uh, the right length of the club will usually get you 75% of the way there and then once you kind of perfect your swing a little more, you can get yourself dialed in a, a little bit more on top of that. But. Nice. And then I've heard you say before too, like the 
the importance of like lessons with that. So like mm-hmm. if you're doing a fitting, right, you can't get a repeatable sword. And you find that, I, I, I think uh, in our discussions prior, like I heard you say something to the fact of, if we can't get like a few shots, we can't string a few shots together in a yeah. row that are gonna give you a consistent number, then it's kind of like, hey, you know what, let's like kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit. You might wanna go see your local pro, go get some lessons. Yeah, one of the cool things at Golfers Warehouse too is we actually had a PGA Pro in the store as well as me and a couple of the other guys that, that would actually do the club fits as well. So there was a, a good relationship between us two that, you know, there it's a heartbreaking thing to have to do in the middle of a fit when they just spent a hundred dollars to get, you know, this whole thing going and then you have to kind of break the news to them that I, I think you need to spend the money on lessons before we do this. So that was another skill I had to learn and break the news a couple times. But it, it really is kind of a, a good progression with that. And yeah, I mean, you don't need to have the most repeatable swing, but but you need to string five or ten good shots in a row, you know. And, and that's getting into the launch monitor stuff too. And like I said, it, the good and the bad of the launch monitor stuff is some people get too zoned into that stuff, where all players should hit on the launch monitor just to see, you know, because especially with you know these days, you can go to a demo day and there's no cost to do it. If you can't string a bunch of good ones in a row, it doesn't really matter anyway. Uh, but don't put too much emphasis into that. That's why, you know, go get get fit in the, the uh, term of what I'll call a dynamic fit. The, the length, the lie, the grip size especially. Uh, the grip is very big, uh, a big aspect of, of the club. And make sure you're playing the right style club. You know, uh, you know I've seen so many people come in and you know they're 12 13 handicaps now they want to play blades because they just you know broke 80 one time at their local course and now they want to do that so you know make sure you're playing the right style club make sure you know especially these days with the adjustable uh, drivers and woods you know they really do make a big difference in it so making sure that you're not just playing around with it that you actually understand what these adjustments are doing and you go to a person that actually knows how to fit the clubs like that you know that's the step one and then once you get kind of tuned into that then you can go a little bit more advanced with it that's good that's good and actually you saying that about the uh the 12 13 handicap coming in and wanting to uh get fit for a blade or want to play a blade it made me think of a few good uh golf memes like first time breaking 80 <laughs> now i'm ready for a new set of tw you know uh blades and <laughs> obviously that's a bit overkill but like that is the tendency of golf. Like we want to like get the next thing. Like ooh, yeah. like what are the pros hitting? You know, and, and and in most cases, that's like you shouldn't even be concerned with what the pros are hitting because that's another. Yeah, I've hit the TW a bunch of, of times, and a lot of pros. Not a, it's not a good play. one. <laughs> yeah, you're not a lot of pros. I know Bobby. Like Bobby doesn't. Play he doesn't play blades. He has. A, he's the uh, now they have the half and half where it's like half sets. Half. Like I know I have I have title TP. Um, AP2s, they're um, half and half, and I switched over from the AP1s because I was... was I think I have that problem. Uh, too big, too big, yeah. too, almost too forgiving. And, yeah, yeah there's, there, there's so many different options now at every different step of the way. You know, I, I did that as well too. You know, by the time I was a decent enough a golfer, I literally had, it was way back in the day, it was a, a combo set of Cleveland's CG1 and CG2 iron. So if anyone was around then, it was much before your guys' 
a time here, but those were uh, very small blades and the top end from seven iron up was a cavity back, but it was, I mean, not much of a cavity back on it. So I thought I could play those. I played them for about a month and then realized that I can't. I remember I hit one good shot with the uh, with the a nine iron and all the rounds that I I played it, and then I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't actually do this. And then it went the exact other way. Um, I worked for Ping for a while too, and I, uh, whatever year it was, I played the Ping uh, G15 irons, um, which are the big, oversized. You know, anyone from a absolute beginner golfer to I was about a five handicap at the time, and I hit those irons great. Uh, and I've slowly been kind of going down to a little bit of a smaller club, but still, I've, I've always kind of geared or played my best golf, at least, with a little bit more of a game improvement club. You know, I just, depends, I think, too, not your skill level, but your swing as well. You know, you'll see a lot of pros play big cavity backs as well, too. And for me, I've always had a, a pretty steep swing. I've never str uh, struggled with, like, a divot or anything. And if anything, I'll get a little bit too steep and the club will a dig a little bit mm -hmm. so when I get a blade or a smaller players club with a really small hole and a, a sharp a leading edge on it that thing's gonna dig right into the ground yeah. so you know I just have too steep of a swing to really play a, a players club like that so I'll always do better with something with a little bit of a wider sole uh, that will help kind of launch the ball up in the air a little bit and vice versa you know you may be a couple strokes worse than I am but you know because your your swing plane and everything you may actually hit a more player style club with, with a smaller sole even better so you know you really got to kind of to uh give all the different styles a try and you know it definitely does help with a, a knowledgeable uh, person there to help kind of guide you in the right direction along. i think that's the key it, that that's a good point um that you brought up there too is it really should come down to the person the player themselves right um don't be well you're a certain handicap you can only hit these this yeah. is the only it should be really and the other thing is having somebody that's more experienced that has a good grasp on you know hey try this sure you know in in a fitting you're going to be able to quickly see someone that's good at fitting right they're going to be able to quickly see yeah this definitely isn't yeah. your based on the numbers but also just based on everything about your swing this is just that club's never going to work for you so and that's where the launch monitors are nice. They're accurate enough that they don't lie at all. And, you know, a lot of people don't like to see what the real numbers are because they don't realize that you know seven iron that they're using is only going 119 yards right now. But the numbers are the numbers. They don't really lie, you know. So yeah, that is that's a good point too because a lot of people have unrealistic. Oh yeah, I hit my you know I hit my driver about two sixty you know yeah. typically, and then you find out oh you carry it what two ten. The problem is most people when you ask them what your average length is of whatever club it may be, they it's quote the their best shot the best that shot. they ever yeah, hit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then they don't take into account the conditions either. You know, it's a little bit downhill. It was twenty miles an hour downwind, and it summer. went this far. <laughs> yeah. Usually, I think with the irons, they're a little bit more accurate with that. Um, sure. So I, I'll normally never really ask what you know, what, what their driver goes, I'll ask, you know, what's your 150 yard, 50 yard club? And generally speaking, you'll actually get a pretty accurate response off of that, um, just because there's not the ego with that. And I'm not asking how far do you hit your eight iron? Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's all, that's stuff you learn over the years too, It's how to ask stuff to kind of avoid that, because if they just say the club that they hit for that yardage there, you know, it's a little bit more accurate than trying to prove that, oh, I can hit my eight iron yeah. 160 yards. Yeah. I think that ego thing comes in too with those people that want blades, right? Like they're like, 
ooh, I played good this day, like you said earlier. Yeah, my favorite line for people who don't golf when they come to me, like, oh, Connor, I went golfing. I hit a drive like 230 yards. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hit the ball a pretty long ways, and I've only hit it 300 yards a handful of times, maybe. And uh, I've hit a couple of them where they're like, oh, that's easily 300. And I actually walk off the, uh, the, the, the yardage on it and you're like uh, it's you know 278 on that one you're like, yeah. that's, that's really all it is yeah that's definitely something i don't know i have no idea what my yardages are it's really a guessing game when i'm out there but i do know i do know that 150 club that's like a six iron for me which yeah. mm-hmm. it's a, a little high but it's what i hit i know what i hit it's not an ego thing so i remember i used to hit seven iron from 100 when i was like Back in the yeah, day, I was banging three woods from one fifty. I was, I was banging. I had my, I had my top flight five wood. I, I love that thing, man. <laughs> well, there's a lot of skill in that as well, too. And you know, I think the more into golf you get, the less ego. Yeah. How long I can hit the shot to like now? Can I play around with it? Can I open the club yeah, case and shape the shot a different way? And over the last like two years, I've gotten really into hitting those little three quarter shots, the knockdown shots, controlling the flight of yeah, it. And to me, that's a more kind of talent, skill it's, for it, Well, it's, yeah. it's you get more control out of it, and it's a more satisfying way to play golf yeah. instead of just trying to slam on every club. Yeah, you know, I actually thought this one out. Yeah. I, I changed up my swing slightly to execute it, and when that happens and it, and it works out exactly like you imagine, that's really where. You feel it more too, though. Yeah, that's pretty cool too because it's it's you have like a, a bag of tricks to play basically where you can pull out different types of shots when you have that. I mean, golf is going to require because you play a ton of different courses, right? Mm-hmm. It's another game where you have the ability. The weather is going to dictate what kind of day you may have too. If it's really windy, right? Windy. If there's rain, if you, whatever those conditions are, you're going to have to play to the conditions, play to the course. Because if you just go out with one mindset, oh, I'm just going to mash the ball every time, then it's probably not going to work out too good for you the majority of the time because those conditions are going to be different. The courses are going to be different. Could be longer, could be shorter. Um, yeah, but like you're saying, the ability to have like a wide array of shots is, it makes it fun too. Because yeah. it's like, you'd almost be like a little bit, the better you get, the more comfortable you get. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a little bit of artistry, right? So if you can hit a cut, if you can hit a draw, and then you can hit straight ball, you know, like that, that, that's fun, a knockdown, you know, all that is, it takes skill, it takes time to be able to develop those shots, mm-hmm. and then the ability to be able to execute those, and you got a match going, yeah. that's, that's, and the it fun narrows stuff. your focus too. It's, yeah. al- it's also necessary when you get to like higher level of courses, I know you guys know this, um, like if you have a pin, on, if you're playing like a, like a really hard greens, like Glassberry Hills or something like a really fast course, uh, on a nice sunny day, you hit you hit a draw into a green. That thing's not gonna stop. Yeah. You know you gotta hit. You gotta learn how to hit a cut. You gotta it's depending on pin locations. You hit a draw into a pin location. It's yeah. good, but it's only land right next to the hole and yeah. off the And back, if you're hitting you know? a shot and you know you're gonna fade it, you just open the whole course up for yourself. Because if you yeah. say you don't fade it and you aim a little right, you're fine. You fade it, you're in the middle. If you just push it, you're on the left. So DJ's been doing. Um, yeah. He had the hooks in the beginning of his career. Now he eliminated the entire left side of the course. Well, that's the yeah. key. If you can eliminate one one uh, big miss. Like you said, you, you can play a lot easier with yeah. that one. Just understanding your swing. So now that we've stated it's not as important to mash the ball every time, in the same breath, everybody, as Phil Mickelson would say, wants to hit bombs. So long, straight bombs, right? So, um, and 
that's in saying this, I'm bringing this up to you, Matt, because we've been working um, for I think I think we're in our either 13th or 14th week of working together um, here in the the Under Par Performance Center. And one of those things we've been working with the Super Speed Golf speed sticks, and that's to increase swing speed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now that doesn't mean to swing out of your shoes every time you got a golf club in your hands by any means. But I want to hear your um, take so far, your experience so far, working with the speed sticks, working on generating more club head speed. Yeah. And you did get a chance to play before uh, snow Prior had flown. Yeah. So yeah, and really my main goal with doing that, uh, you said, is you know obviously you want to hit bombs and and hit the ball a long ways. But really, you know, if I could take that same seventy-five and an eighty percent swing that I normally play with, but I just added in another ten yards of club or whatever it may be on that, that's what I'm really kind of looking at. Sure. You know, I mean, whatever your baseline is, if you could add a couple yards, you know, the guys on tour have proven that out there that the distance really does matter. It makes the course a whole lot easier when you're hitting a club less and everything. Um, so yeah, so it's been been working very well, and I think one of my problems before is because I was getting so into hitting those partial shots, hitting some knockdown shots, I could get kind of lazy with my swing. You know, I, I've hit an, as many bad shots trying to swing not as hard as I can as I have going, you know, more or less as hard as I can at it because you kind of lose your body in it. You know, I don't really use my lower body as much if I'm not trying to really go at it. Um, and working with the speed sticks, you know, to try to, you know, I've never really, to be honest with you, tried to swing truly as hard as I can. You know, the speed sticks is kind of the idea is you give it 110% and see what your, what your speed really is. Where on the golf course, uh, what I would say is, is a complete 100% swing is still only probably an 85% of my effort. Um, that it's really taught me to kind of tap into the rest of my body, you know, using my lower body, really kind of pushing off the ground, whether that kind of ground reaction, of course they would call it. You know, we've been doing a lot of lower body work on top of that. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to be kind of the biggest uh, pickup that, that I'm going to have off of that is how to use my whole body in the swing, even when I'm not really going at it as hard as I can. Sure. It's been fun to watch too um, in this, you know, growth slash transformation and just really just, you know, trying to get in the best shape for for golf, right? Nobody, uh, a lot of times people overlook the fact that the better shape that you're in, you know, that can really help your golf game. Now, if you have a really fit guy out there on a golf course, that doesn't mean that he's going to be good at golf. But if you have somebody that already understands how to play the game of golf, and which you do and you you can play the game of golf well so um it really if implemented properly can only benefit you right and like you're talking about the ability to bring up your baseline so it's not about swinging as hard as you can on every swing that's unless you're a long drive guy and you're really just trying to generate distance that's that's typically not going to be uh, a winning strategy for you um, in fact it's just going to lead to a lot of frustration most times. Um, and I think, like you said, building that like foundation though, uh, to be able to bring up that baseline is the key. So like part of the thing, since we started work together, really work on the core, right? Work on the core, work on the lower body. If you're generating more speed, you're gonna be propelling or pushing into that like ground force. You may have heard that term quite a bit, but if you look at a lot of the, the smaller guys on tour that are able to generate a lot of power, they're able to use the ground 
to be able to press off, to be able to get that force, right? To be able to unwind and really unleash on the ball while still being able, still being able to hit the center of the club face a majority of the time. You watch JT. He's coming out on, he's getting yeah, literally airborne. Example, yeah, right? he's, yeah, he's completely off the ground when he hits the ball. But then you watch Wolves somebody. too, he's another good one. For he sure. actually puts holes in the ground on the range. For sure. And it's that torque. He has yeah. a lot of torque in ground force. But then you also look at someone who has used fitness. Again, I'm going to bring up his name. Phil Mickelson. It, it's really impressive when you see someone of his age that's like getting older. And if we had like rewound maybe 15, 20 years ago, and you're talking about someone in his 50s being able to hit the ball well over 300 yards, like average it, that's that's mind-blowing. That's the most impressive thing with him is, you know, he's been on tour for how many years now? You know, 26 years plus now. Crazy. And, uh, you know, you flash back to like 2000, 2001, him versus now. He's a more fit and better shape. He hits the ball longer ways, and he's a better golfer at 51 years old now than he was at 25 years old and you know that's definitely it was definitely a little bit of an inspiration for sure yeah. he's know, a big user of the speed sticks too yeah yeah and another thing too i was watching uh the same video that we're that we're talking about because another thing to think about right so as you generate more club head speed it's not like your body is just magically going to be able to take that force right so the golf swing in general is going to be a lot of force put on the body it's a lot of stress put on your joints your back your knees all that right so one of the things that i thought was pretty interesting was something that bubba watson's been doing for years and somebody who also generates a ton of club head speed is able to work the ball hit it you know hit hit it really long but one of the things he does is he relieves that pressure on his lead knee right because one of the things is if you try to stay super everybody wants this particular look or you know i don't want to look funny or weird ultimately Finding the swing that's going to be the most repeatable, regardless of how it looks to others, the the, the swing that's going to be the most repeatable, the, the swing that's going to be the most consistent for you is going to be the one that you're going to want to use. And obviously the one that you're going to be able to do time after time over time, right? Because it's the ability for your body to be able to handle all that torsion on your spine, all the, the tension that's created in the golf swing. We want to be able to play golf until we're old, right? So like if you beat up your body and if you don't have a swing that can maintain or handle that force, then that's going to be an issue going forward too. So I think part of that, not only making sure that your body is strong, not only making sure that you have a good foundation, your core, your base, but just making sure that you can maintain it going forward. So um, one of the things that I've tried to do, uh, use Titleist Performance Institute, um, they have a lot of really good stuff to be able to find and work your swing to be able to be the best swing possible and also work with your physique and your body to be able to you know hold up while making these swings but i think that's a really important point is to the fact of being able to maintain it over time and uh yeah so. gary player you see uh, there every every year at the masters gary player uh jack nicholas they're still hitting those yeah. hitting pipes out there you know for sure a lot of those old guys have a very yeah. sound swing. That's well, there was a post the other day, body. a PXG <laughs> post with, with a Gary player. He was doing uh, the leg press and he was doing sprints and stuff. And he's, well, yeah. I think he's like 81 years old now 81. Oh, <laughs> or something like that. And, and, uh, yeah, he was doing more work than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
we're in 2021 now, guys. It's a new year. Um, I'm actually excited for the upcoming golf season and, you know, making the best of this off season so far. And we got Dylan here too, who Dylan, um, you've been, we've been working together as well. So uh, how has it been going so far for you too? Like how? Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. You know, I'm cutting some pounds. Me and Matt are cutting some weight. And uh, we call it uh, what you did, what you said, the first time I went out and played after using the swing sticks, swing sticks, I was all over the place. Because I, I got out there and I, I started, the I started swinging like I was swinging the speed sticks. It's like oh, I'm gonna swing so fast. I did the it was like block, cook, like whoa. But um, once you learn to control it and hone it in a little bit, it makes a huge difference. At least to me, I know I went. We went down to Florida. Now I was hitting like five irons, ten yards further than I was before, and. Yeah. I'm only how many weeks are you in? Like yeah, you're just I think like maybe a week behind. Yeah, Matt. So yeah, yeah. The uh, first nine holes I played after I did the exact uh, identical thing with that and swung exactly like I was using the speed sticks. I didn't play like incredibly bad, but I don't think I hit the middle of the club face once. <laughs> no. Um, and then the next day I went out and played another nine holes and then just played my normal golf, not trying to swing hard, going back to the way I would do before. Um, ended up shooting a two hundred par on nine holes there and one of the big things one I gained a little bit of a distance it was later in the year too and a big thing about kind of understanding the distances but not being locked into that mm -hmm. one distance for each club is especially up here in uh, Connecticut playing late in the year and the cold and stuff you're mm -hmm. not going to hit the ball as long as you do in July yeah it's just the, uh, the uh, temperature and the way the ball uh, compresses and everything is just not going to work but I was hitting the ball what I would have expected to in July which tells me that if I'm doing that and you know cold uh, winter months up here that I, I gained a good amount of, of a distance with it um, and then actually utilizing my body and being able to turn through comfortably and getting the extra uh, range of motion it, it made uh, you know being able to kind of release the club and, and keep the ball online just incredibly easy when I was out there so if I can keep working on that and uh, get, get the range of motion to not where I need to turn as much as I can to completely release my body, but I have enough range of motion just to get a comfortable turn and I do completely release my body. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, and when, I'm sorry, but and when, when you get that taken care of, like you're starting to hit the ball more consistently in the middle of the face, it just makes, it feeds into the rest of your game, I feel like. Mm -hmm. It makes everything just feel so much easier. You're not stressing, you're not trying to make up and down on six and nine holes or playing nine holes. You know, you're, you're not stressing as much because you're hitting the ball pin high. And you're like, okay, worst time coming out here is par, you know? Thinking about remaking birdies instead of trying to get up and down. Exactly. Yeah. You're not trying to save things. You're trying to make things. Yeah, yeah. you're on the offense instead of the defense. Yeah. And something that we were talking about earlier, uh, not just having one distance for every club, right? If you think about it, you only have 14 clubs, one's the putter, right? Yeah. If you have that, if you hit one distance for each club, you're hitting, you have 13 distances you can play. Yeah. And throughout a round, you have any distance, you know, and you have to learn how to hit, you know, 225, you have a distance. And you need your three-quarter, you need your full, you need your half. Yeah. yeah, and part of that, I think, is not only in-season, but you can do it in off-season, so that's one of the things that we want to work on, too. Having a launch monitor um, is a big part in that, too, right? So you can still work on your distances and all that, and then you're going to, you know, you probably have to adjust once you get into, but you'll be in a lot better shape, oh, yeah. especially being, because, like, it's a big advantage to be in a warm um, weather climate, right? Like, Matt, for instance, you, like you said, you went to golf school in Carlsbad, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to see what that was like. I've lived in San Diego and LA, yeah. so like, 
it's a whole nother. You can just play all your. It's a whole right? Yeah, yeah. It's the a winter golf game. is. I mean, just as good as the uh, as the summertime golf. That's yeah, definitely awesome out there. It's true, yeah, but I mean, so the I think the only it's not going to be the same, but the one like fight back that we have to living in a cold uh, climate, right, is you can hit indoors. You can you can yeah. use launch monitors. You can use technology, and that's that's pretty cool. That we've gotten to this point where it's it's now, you know, commonplace. Like you were saying, like. Well, I honestly think playing in different types of weather conditions it makes you a better golfer too. Yep. Like you know, out there, you know, yeah. you're 70, 75 degrees or so every day. There's really no rain. There's no huge wind. You know, you get a little bit of wind off the ocean, but it's not big. But you know, around here, you. I'm, well, a couple, a couple years ago, I think every round I played was in the pouring rain. I had to learn how to deal with that. You know, you get days that it's 25 mile an hour wind, you know, in India or in downwind. You know, you play in the cold where the uh, the uh, greens are rock hard. You have to learn how to do yeah, that. Like it up. Dylan was uh, talking Hitting about. Cuts so, and cuts, yeah. Yeah, so it definitely makes you a better golfer. It makes you be a more creative golfer. Golf's definitely a little bit easier out there, and it's definitely nice, but... You know, there, there is definitely something to be said about playing in the uh, playing in the elements, if you will. And really, you know, I always think of it whenever I get a bad day out there and it's you know kind of rainy or gloomy out. I just think of it as the the old world golf I was supposed to be playing right out in Scotland yeah, or, England or whatever it is. Greatest game ever played. Yeah, exactly. Playing <laughs> in a nor'easter. I love yeah. the attitude. Man. Gives right. you a little bit of an advantage over the Floridians. Yeah. And also, also the cool thing about having the monitor now is even in the summer, it, you you have a tournament the next day. You don't yeah. you don't have to just sit inside all day if it's pouring rain. You can right? still you, go check your numbers. You can still yeah. come in and check your numbers, hit your hit your shots, and yeah. get ready. That's true. Yeah, I'm excited for this year. I'm excited to see you guys implement your uh, new physique slash new uh, you know swing speed, um, and just see how it transitions going into a new year. Like I said, it'll be. Um, It'll be fun to just see what it is. I'm also looking forward to some matches. So yes. we've talked Gotta about it. We've going. talked about it a little bit, but we really need to get on the fact of like starting a little mini league. I was gonna some say sort. you do like an organized like every few weeks or however often yes. you want to do it. Invite some different people in and stuff. That'd be like cool. That. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Being and a I think we've been trying a couple different golf courses. In yeah. The yeah. Yep. Do some club matches and stuff. I think uh, I think the idea too is just the fact that you know just we've been talking about this for a few years. That I think since I met you, I've been like, man, we should really do some and. You know, we did that reason. one skins game up at Greenwoods the end of end of last year. Yep. That was a pretty good one that we were gonna duplicate and we never really did again. Yeah, so we got to get on it and we should start. Uh, we should get that going kind of early season. Um, but this is the verbal contract to make that happen. <laughs> I better start so. loading up my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Handicaps in place. Uh, so, so I get to keep my twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> TT, definitely not, and especially not at Greenwood. Um, no, but it'll be, uh, I'm looking forward to this year in golf. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, hopefully we get back to a state of normalcy um, with everything. And we're regardless, right? We can still play golf. Well, I mean, one of the so, good things about, well, I don't want to say good thing about all this stuff happening with the coronavirus, but golf really, you know, it's been a, a biggest year in golf since the record yeah. of keeping started, actually. Yeah. So in the uh, NGF stats, I remember we were we were looking it up for some club work, uh, going back uh, to that before. But 
since the NGF started to keep uh, rounds played stats, I think it was like 1981, there was more rounds played in 2020 than there ever was yeah. in the history yeah. of, of awesome. a record keeping. And more people started golf this year than ever before. So yeah. even in the uh, Tiger boom in 2000 and I mean 2001, more people started this year than any other year ever. So that's a great stat. One good thing to come out of the coronavirus, it's the boom in golf at least. It's definitely back and it's it's stronger than ever. Yeah, yeah I, I, I have continues. to say that's that's the reason I paid, played so much golf this year. I dove into it so deep just because what else could we do, you know? Yeah. I mean, we know personally probably five of our friends from high school who make fun of us for playing golf. <laughs> now they play golf. Yeah. yeah. And I hope it continues. Uh, I think it will, honestly. If you like teach you give it a little. It's like blood in the water, sharks coming. Oh time. man, you know? sure It's like late. crack, dude. You take it up a couple of times, you start hitting some good shots, and like I couldn't leave the course some days. But man, we were there until like nine thirty. We started implementing Mojo's glow balls. We were like, let's get this yeah. going. Yeah. Well, that's what I would tell everybody when they'd walk into the golf store and ask, you know, oh, I'm starting off. You know, I don't know what I want to buy. It. You know, I'd always uh, make a comment, either rent clubs or do something to start with, because you're going to know pretty quickly if you like it or not. You either one of those that you get hooked or you completely cannot stand it and you, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, dumbest thing you've ever done. Because when you start, you are going to suck really, really bad. You are going to hit mostly terrible shots. Yep. I don't care how athletic you are. It's incredibly hard. And you're either that one that likes the, the a challenge of that and kind of hits that one good shot that you're like, okay, I did it before. Now I got to do it again. Or it's just the most frustrating thing Demoralizing. ever. I, I just can't handle it. So it's one or the other. There's not many people that are like kind of in the golf. Yeah. You're either like really in it or. Yeah. Um, I, I know this guy on Instagram, I don't know him, but we have Ken Wavy. Ken Wavy. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. I, lo I, I love his channel. I met him in California. Oh, really? Really? Well, he, he was talking about his story about why he chose golf. He was like, well, I was good at everything else, and I sucked at golf. So I was like, I'm gonna get good at this. So I was like, I, was I love that. Tyler oh, had a rough, rough yeah. go at it his first time playing golf. Oh man, my first shot. I, our listeners know this story, but um, at Greenwoods, Matt, you definitely don't know this story. But you know the fence to the left of the tee box. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't went off there before. Oh no, I went over <laughs> and onto the roof of the clubhouse. So. As a lefty. Yeah, as a lefty. Think about that. That's impressive. That There's is Tojan. tricky. Um, <laughs> Luckily, I didn't do it, but one of my buddies actually has a similar story, actually. Uh, Chippany Golf Club. I don't know if any of you guys have ever yeah. played there over in yep. Bristol. So, number one tee, the clubhouse is right there, and it kind of sticks out a little bit. Oh, yeah. And the hole's wide. I mean, if you hit it down kind of the left side of the hole, which you should, you're not really that close to it. But it's a wide enough hole that you could slice it pretty badly and almost go over the corner of the clubhouse and still be all right on that hole. So my buddy there, and that was one of the big spots that um, the high school team played there. So I think Bristol Eastern was their home Same course, ball, but the too. Torrington team was there too. So it was a big match. And the Torrington team was there. We were in high school, me and my buddy. We were not on the team, but we went out and played there after. Everyone standing on the patio re-watching us play. We know most of those uh, kids out there. And I hit a decent drive. My buddy gets up, slices it right into the clubhouse, bangs it off like some stainless steel thing on the roof makes the loudest noise ever bounces like that kind of the team just grabs the ball and runs it was like most embarrassing thing for him ever it's hilarious yeah does he play golf now he still does a little bit yeah i don't think he played much this past year but uh yeah he, he still does play golf that's great hey matt i want to thank you for coming on the beyond the par podcast man it's been a pleasure thank um, you for having me it was a great time
I uh, look forward to continuing to work together this off season and uh, getting it after it in 2021 out on the course. So thanks Absolutely. again. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We'll catch you next time. Peace.